Hey everyone, what's up? It's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and welcome to podcast episode number 250. And let me tell you, this week's episode was something that even I really wasn't all that sold on, because we're talking about one of the worst icons of survivalism that you can possibly imagine, because it's become synonymous with that proverbial whack job doomsday prepper out there. Of course, I'm talking about the gas mask. But I gotta tell you, today's guest, Roman Zrzewski, really made a believer out of me with information that I just wasn't aware of about the benefits of gas masks. But of course, not all gas masks are created equal. And Roman was nice enough to hook us all up with a special coupon if you wanna grab one for yourself after you listen to this week's interview. All you have to do is go over to his website at www.mirasafety.com. That's M-I-R-A safety.com. And use the code MCS10 to get 10% off of your order. Now it's on with the show, and don't forget to, you can also pick up all of this week's free show notes, including a one-page handy-dandy cheat sheet covering all the main points from this episode. That, my friends, is all ready for you. Over to download now at www.mcsmagazine.com slash 250. So let's go ahead and get started. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. You see the picture so much that it's very much a cliche now. The so-called doomsday prepper posing with his rifle or shotgun, identity hidden by the gas mask on his face. He looks prepared. He looks tough. He looks a little scary even. He looks like he could walk through a fog bank of tear gas or a mushroom cloud of nuclear fallout without so much as breaking a sweat. But in real life, chances are pretty good that gas mask wearing preppers will be sporting some cheap knockoff that won't cut the mustard, mustard gas that is, sorry, I had to throw that one in there, Um, (laughs) or simply won't have the faintest idea how to use that gas mask to save their life. That is a big problem. It's a problem because gas masks do have a very real use for survival, but only if you have the right equipment and are trained in the proper use for the real world scenarios you and your loved ones may face. And cutting through all the myths, misinformation, and lies of the gas mask industry to get you to that level of preparedness is exactly what we're going to cover today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me today is a bona fide expert on gas masks. Please welcome Roman Shrajewski. I hope I got that right. Roman, uh, welcome to the program, man. Thank you for having me. Good to have you on, man. I know we've been trying to do this now for, for several months, I think. And so I'm glad we finally connected on this. Uh, listen, everybody, um, Roman is the perfect person to talk to about this topic because he's the founder and CEO of Mira Safety, a Texas-based manufacturer of respirators, safety equipment, and tactical gear for civil defense, law enforcement, military, and the survival industry. Now, his company's top-selling products include everything from military-grade gas masks to hazmat suits. Roman is also the founder and CEO of Ready to Go Survival, a retail brand specializing in personalized emergency preparedness. Previously an EMT attached to a fire medic crew in New York City, Roman has also spoken on emergency preparedness on HBO, the BBC, CBS, and other media outlets. Now you can learn more about Roman and his company at www.mirasafety.com. And that's M-I-R-A safety.com. Okay, Roman, let's go ahead and get started with this. I mean, we see so many pictures in survivalist advertisements and publications that are out there that are showing like survivors, in quotes, you know, really kind of wearing um, wearing a gas mask as a product. I think 
I think a lot of preppers out there don't have the vaguest idea of why they would want one. I think to start off, you know, I think especially since it's become kind of that icon of the, you know, like the whack job doomsday prepper that the media has labeled it as. So I want to ask you, like, what are the major categories of threats of a real world scenario that gas mask products like yours can potentially protect users from and, and why? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. Um, so in my lifetime, I was actually fortunate enough or unfortunate enough, um, depending on how you look at it, um, to have experienced two such events. Um, one was Chernobyl and the other one was 9-11. Um, so with Chernobyl, um, I was born a few months before the incident. Moscow didn't get hit. Um, but the rest of Russia did get hit, you know, um, other parts of Russia did get hit pretty hard. Uh, parts of Belarus are still unlivable. Uh, so, you know, th that could happen. There's a lot of nuclear reactors all over the world and these things tend to malfunction sometimes and certain malfunctions could lead to, um, you know, big, big problems for the whole world. Uh, so that's a practical kind of event to prep for because there's nuclear reactors in almost every country and especially Western countries. Um, in 9-11, uh, my high school was actually right across the water uh, in Brooklyn. Um, and um, when the event happened, you know, my buddies and I all went outside and we saw the you know, big smoke cloud going up. And on that day, if people had something so simple as an N95 mask just to protect their respiratory passages, we wouldn't have had so many cases of mesothelioma um, and other respiratory um, you know, diseases that uh, come about from breathing in this debris from old buildings. Um, so those are kind of the two more practical things. Um, other things include dirty bombs. Um, a dirty bomb is essentially a regular bomb with some uh, uh, radioactive material infused into it. With a dirty bomb, uh, if it goes off in your local area, you would have to wear some sort of respirator to protect your respiratory passages. Uh, if you live by a highway, let's say, there's a lot of truck accidents that happen, especially here in Texas. These truckers are transporting hazardous chemicals all the time. And if one of them, you know, were to get into an accident and these things were to spill, other practical applications, um, pandemics could happen. Um, right now we have the measles outbreak. Now a measles outbreak wouldn't be a situation for which you wear a full gas mask and don full mop gear. Uh, but, you know, there may be something in the future uh, with a more virulent um, type of, uh, you know, event where you would need, um, some sort of respiratory protection every time you go outside. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, uh, actually you brought up a whole bunch of stuff that I, I didn't think of. It doesn't first come to mind. And the one thing that does, the other thing that does come to mind is things like civil unrest that we see when any, anytime there's like protesters, riots gone, uh, you know, we've seen all these on the news and we see people throwing tear gas and, and back at the police and the police throwing tear gas. And if you happen to be sitting in a house that's near all that stuff, um, you know, that, that gas can, that gas can also affect you and your family. And that's not easy to kind of get away from. So, uh, but yeah, you brought up way more uh, uh, thoughts and ideas of what I even had in, in my, uh, in my mind about what, what they could actually be used for. So Roman, let me, I, I, I'm, there's one other scenario that I want to ask you about if, if this would work, because we've had a lot of uh, wildfires in California and a lot of people that are trapped in that. Do these masks also help in like that type of a scenario? Will they, will they keep the, the smoke away from, you know, killing you in your vehicle as you're trying to get out of the area and stuff like that? Sure. So yeah, that's another great question. Uh, so smoke particles, most filters will handle smoke particles. Um, even a P100 filter would help you handle smoke particles. 
but you know, another threat that comes along with smoke is you don't know what it is that's burning. It may be some sort of plastic or some sort of other chemical, um, and it turns into a gas. Uh, so then you're going to need something once again that filters out gases. Um, and you know, they have these ABEC filters, which pretty much cover all gases. Um, and uh, another thing you have to look out for is carbon monoxide. So there are certain filters on the market, uh, which also do convert carbon monoxide into carbon dioxide, allowing you to breathe it out. Um, not all filters have that. Um, and if you are preparing for a wildfire type of event, uh, it may be wise to invest in a CO filter. Um, while you're outside, it may not be as much of a threat because there's still a lot of um, oxygen in the environment, even in, you know, let's say a burning, uh, burning area. Uh, but if you're indoors and your house catches fire, uh, carbon monoxide could fill the area very quickly. Uh, so you're going to want to invest in a carbon monoxide filter for that. Um, if you could find a carbon monoxide filter that's also threaded for 40 millimeter NATO, then you could have a fire escape mask and a CBRN mask all in one. Uh, that's the holy grail right there. <laughs> that's, yeah. what, that's what I'm looking for. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. So let me ask you this. I mean, what would you say? Um, I mean, I mean, I think now people are really starting to get like, okay, it's not just for, you know, whack job doomsday preppers. Really, there are practical uses for this. So I should probably have one. But, but when somebody just goes out to go shopping for a a gas mask, I mean, what would you say are are the biggest the biggest um, myths or, or misconceptions that people have about about selecting one when they first go out there um, and, and to go find one? Sure. So, you know, a lot of people think that just having a gas mask will protect you from any and all threat. It's like, oh, if uh, you know, a nuclear reactor blows up, I can just put on a gas mask and I'll be just fine. Um, and that's, that's not true. So what a gas mask is intended to do is protect just your respiratory passages and face uh, from breathing in, you know, nuclear uh, radioactive contaminants uh, and debris. Um, it will not protect your skin um, it will not protect your arms and, you know, your, your, your extremities, et cetera. So myth number one is, you know, just wearing a gas mask will protect you. And that's simply not true. Um, another myth is that foreign military surplus will protect you. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not saying that all military surplus is bad. It really depends on how it was stored. Uh, with all gas masks, there are specific, uh, storage conditions, which must be upheld in order for it to, um, uh, maintain its integrity. Uh, throughout time. So, uh, you know, if they were stored in poor conditions that were too humid, too hot, too cold, it can damage the rubber and it can fail during an emergency situation. So if you're going to go with surplus, make sure that it's coming from a reputable source and you know exactly how these things were stored. Um, and myth number three, I would say um, filters and masks don't really expire. They do, uh, especially filters, uh, because um, the Particles inside of them degrade over time with oxygen. Uh, so you don't want to have expired filters. You want to make sure that um, you get up-to-date filters. Yeah. The other thing I, I think is a, is a common misconception is that a gas mask is a gas mask is a gas mask. I mean, I can go out there and find gas masks for like next to nothing off of a lot of like online sites and everything. And so I think people think, well, okay, it has eyepieces and it has a some some weird looking gizmo that you know goes on goes in the place where your mouth is so it must be a gas mask and it must work because it looks like a gas mask and so i i think you know what i really want to get into is like how do we select the right one um and 
everybody, that's what we've got coming up. So we've been talking with Roman Drajewski of Mirasafety.com about shopping for and using gas masks for emergency preparedness. And we do have a lot more coming up, including the worst features of commercial gas masks that you'll definitely want to stay away from, what features you really must have to be truly prepared, and the cold, harsh reality of what life is like inside of a gas mask that you need to be prepared for if it ever comes down to you going mop for. All that and more coming right up, but first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them and how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of dodge your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for fema to hand them a granola bar juice box and a blankie but you know that no one can protect your family better than you can if you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival don't wait until it's too late Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Roman Drzejewski of Mirasafety.com talking about shopping for and using gas masks for survival purposes. Now, we've got a lot more to get into, so let's jump in now. Okay, uh, Roman let's let's go shopping okay it's time to go shopping for gas masks so i think the first thing is really the, to think about the things that we we definitely don't want like what are the the things that immediately just take this thing that i'm holding in my hands off of the uh the buy list here what are some of the things that are features that people need to stay away from when they're shopping for a gas mask sure so um one thing you should stay away from is just getting a p3 mask or a p100 mask because that is not intended for gas. It is only intended for particles. In order to filter out dangerous gases, it needs to have activated carbon in it. So you don't go with a P3 or P100 mask. Make sure there's actually activated carbon within the filters and that activated carbon filters are compatible with the gas mask. Um, another thing you want to avoid is uh, military surplus uh, masks and filters. Um, once again, you don't know how they've been stored what, under what conditions, what the humidity levels, et cetera. So you want to, and if you do go with surplus, you want to make sure you know the source, you know how they've been stored, and they, you know they've been properly cared for uh, throughout the lifetime of that product. Um, you definitely, definitely want to avoid surplus Russian filters. Surplus Russian filters have asbestos in them. Um, they put asbestos in the 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, once again, these filters degrade over time. And with the degradation, the asbestos turns into powder inside of them. And using that filter, um, you know, on your face, you could breathe it into your lungs and it could cause a whole host of issues. So avoid Russian surplus filters. Um, you want to avoid Chinese gas masks. Um, now, I'm not trying to knock China for everything. You know, they do have some quality products coming out of China now. 
but when it comes to gas masks, you really want to stick to what the professionals use. Uh, you want to stick to the types of products that have been um, you know, proven to work under hazardous conditions and that do have testing. Um, and you also want to avoid, for general preparedness purposes, a mask with a silicone rubber seal because silicone rubber uh, is not as chemical resistant as butyl rubber. Um, so if you want to prepare for a CBRN situation, you don't want to have a silicone rubber seal. You want to have a butyl rubber seal. Damn, this is like getting a PhD in gas mask. <laughs> I didn't realize there was this much information out there about this stuff. So, because uh, I probably would have just gone for one of those Israeli jobs in in you know in the in the back of some survival magazine or something. But uh, <laughs> this is really really good information, man. So, okay, so so we're shopping for gas masks, we know what not to look for now. So, what are some of the features that we really that would be helpful for survival purposes? What are, what are the things that I am looking for in the gas mask? Sure. So the most important thing by far is to purchase a gas mask that actually fits your face and to perform a negative pressure test on that gas mask. So without, if, it, if the gas mask does not properly seal, um, then it's, it's useless because you're getting contaminants into your body. Uh, so you want to make sure it fits well. If you have kids, then you need a specific gas mask for kids uh, that has a long kind of tube because it's going to be heavy for kids to hold filters on their face. Um, we actually have a product like that. Um, and you really want to make sure that there's some certification on the gas mask. So in the U.S., it's NIOSH. Uh, in Europe, it's EN-136. Um, uh, I know Russian gas masks have their own set of standards that are looked over by a regulatory body. Uh, so you want to make sure there's a level of certification there, either U.S., Russian, uh, or European. Um, you know, once again, as I said before, you do want butyl rubber. Uh, or another chemical CBRN-resistant rubber like EPDM, as they are most resistant to these agents. Uh, you're going to want a hydration system, and preferably a hydration system that's also camelback compatible, uh, because most of these hydration systems have a short tube, and um, you know with a short tube, it's going to be difficult to put it up to your face and take a sip uh, with a canteen. Uh, but with a camelback hydration system, you just plug it right in, you have it in your back, you have plenty of water, um, and you can stay hydrated throughout the, uh, you know, throughout your evacuation. Uh, you're going to want a speech diaphragm. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to hear people while they're wearing a gas mask. And at those critical moments, communication is key. So, uh, especially with, um, you know, radios, if you're wearing kind of a ham, um, lapel mic or something like that, you're going to want to communicate with each other. Um, so you're going to want that voice emitter. Um, also known as a speech diaphragm, in your gas mask. Um, as I said before, you're actually going to want a gas mask that's used by professionals and warfighters. Uh, make sure that there's some government body out there that's using them because they have strict standards to adhere to uh, for protecting uh, you know, the soldiers and the people using them. Uh, so definitely go with something that's already being used by professionals. Uh, if you're looking for a gas mask that's compatible with night vision goggles or binoculars, uh, look for that feature in the mask. Not all masks are compatible with optics because it's going to be difficult for you to get close to a stock with a bulky gas mask, um, or it's going to be difficult to put on night vision goggles close enough to your eyes in order to actually you know, have optical relief and see through them. Uh, so you're going to want, um, if you're going to be using them with night vision goggles or binoculars, you're really going to want that special design with recessed visors in order to um, use it properly with those devices. Uh, for everything else, 
you're going to want, you know, for general preparedness purposes, you're going to want just a panoramic visor because it's going to be easier to see. You're going to have better peripheral vision. Um, you're going to want NATO threading and a gas mask. Um, so there's NATO threading and GOST threading. GOST is what many Eastern Bloc countries use, uh, but NATO threading is what's used by um, Western Europe, the U.S., um, and they're the most ubiquitous kind of filters out there, uh, and they're easy to get. You know, if you, if you search online, there's tons and tons and tons of different options for 40 millimeter uh, NATO filters. So you're going to want to make sure that your mask is compatible with 40 millimeter NATO filters. Um, and you're also going to want an oronasal cup inside of your mask. Uh, that's just going to prevent fogging. It's going to keep all of the uh, hot air within a contained area inside of the mask as opposed to spreading throughout. So it gets all foggy and then, you know, you can get disorient, uh, disoriented while you're trying to evacuate. Yeah, Roman, these are these are a lot of things people don't want to find. Like people are going to find this out like when they go to put it on for the first time for for real world. And um, I didn't, you know, there's a whole there's you just listed off a whole bunch of stuff there that is uh is not the is that's the stuff you want to you want to find out at that moment. So uh, I'm really glad we're going over all this. Here here's what I want to ask you though. I mean, like uh, it, when I was in the army, it, it was we was like we had to have our gas mask everywhere. Anytime we deployed for a mission or if it was for training. That was one of, we had those, they were always there because you would typically, we would, they would sometimes throw out gas um, to kind of mess with us or we, it could be a civil unrest type of a situation. And so we always had that with us, but anytime that we had to use it or any, especially if I had to train with it, because I've never had to use it in real life against um, like in civil unrest or anything like that. But um, we used to take it on road marches. We used to be in MOP4, you know, for those people who don't know what MOP4 is, basically it's. It's like your nuclear ready type of uh, scenario. So you have your gas mask on, you have your, your, you're fitted out with your boots, your gloves, um, your entire suit, top and bottom to protect you from any contaminants that are out there. And the worst part of all of that was being able to breathe enough. Like I, we used to do mop runs and I had to keep pulling the, the mask up because just could not get enough oxygen in to be able to to move. Now, if I'm hunkered down in my living room, just waiting something out, that's fine. But most likely, if it's that type of a scenario, I'm going to be on the move. I want to get out of that location, um, which means I am going to be moving. I am going to be huffing and puffing potentially. And getting enough oxygen is obviously going to be something that's really important there. So, so what I want to ask you, what are some of those realities of life inside of a gas mask that people either need to be aware of or can be mitigated with the actual equipment that, that, um, that they choose? Sure. So that's a, that's a great question. So a few things here. Um, you're going to want to make sure that if you have a beard, you have a beard trimmer along with your gas mask. Because if an emergency happens and you need to don your gas mask, uh, the beard is actually going to uh, create a, uh, you know, uh, it's going to break the seal between you and the mask. So you're going to want to trim up as fast as possible if an emergency were to happen, and you're going to want to have a beard trimmer or keep a, you know, a clean-shaven face. Um, so that, that's, that's definitely one thing. Another thing is it gets really hot in a gas mask, especially if you're exerting yourself. So you're going to want to make sure that you stay well hydrated. Um, as I mentioned, you know, not all gas masks come with hydration systems. And uh, it may not be an option to take your mask off to take a sip of water when you're, you know, running from an emergency or trying to evacuate. Uh, so really look into a mask that does have a hydration system uh, so that you can, you know, get enough uh, fluids while you're on the run. Um, and train with your mask. I mean, the, the most important thing is training. Keep training. 
learn how to take it off, learn how to put it on, wear it, try to go for a run with it. See what it actually feels like to be wearing a mask in real world conditions where you're trying to, you know, exert yourself, run, uh, jog, etc. Because, you know, no, nothing's going to replace uh, training. And the more you train, the easier it will be when an actual emergency, if it, when it does happen, um, it'll be much easier for you to get through that situation. Yeah. The other thing I would add also, I mean, I know you're a shooter as well. Um, you know, if you're looking down the sights of a rifle, you might have to adjust for the mask that you, that you have as well. And so, you know, I mean, sure, it looks kind of weird out on the live fire range with you in a gas mask shooting your AR-15. But it, again, that's one of those things where better to train with something, even if it's dry fire, just get used to dry firing with it, how you have to adjust, um, how to be as accurate as you are um, without the gas mask on. So that's another thing that I think survivalists really need to be uh, understand to be aware of when it comes to life, you know, when you actually have to put that thing on. So that's another thing I would say also. Absolutely. Uh, Roman, freaking awesome, man. I mean, this was really, this was way, you way over delivered on this, man. I wasn't expecting all this information, but, but I, I didn't know how much there was to actually selecting one of these. So, uh, so listen, everybody, if you already have one, you've got a really good laundry list here to put your own gas mask down that list of seeing it. Does it really match all this criteria or is it giving you a false sense of confidence when you actually have to put this thing on? And, uh, and we've talked about some real world examples of where you would possibly have to use this. So this is a really good checklist for you to go down and really see if you do have the right equipment. And if you don't, or if you are in the market for one now, it, now you can see where, um, what you need to look for when you go out and find one. So the best place to start, obviously, I, I have to give a plug here for you, but this is, um, you have a great website, really good information over there, really good high quality stuff. You can absolutely see that. So listen, everybody, go check out Roman's equipment and the stuff that he has over there over at www.mirasafety.com. And that's M-I-R-A safety.com. And until our next Modern Combat Tutorial broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.